This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 45, Tech Paths Part 1. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. All right, so our first errata comes from Topaz Dragon fifty six seventy six. Um, do we? We yeah. So that's how we introduced I, the episode off the top, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> welcome to Space Cats Peace Turtles errata. Here at the top, we we did a we did a bad one. We did a real a real messy one. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Let's let's read what not, the messy is. Let's. Well, no, no. Let's. Okay. I don't even. I want to. I want to intro it a little bit. Sure. Sure. Because I want to, to take full responsibility on every level. This is something that another player did in a game that we were in, uh-huh. and and we allowed both, it, and we allowed it. No, but that makes it sound like we knew we that encouraged it. Was wrong. it. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah, we, we were, were like, like "Oh, this is so cool," <laughs> and it was totally against the rules. But we were just like, "This is this is great," and we okay. did Hunter, not. What, even Hunter, think... what, are we, what are we referring to? We're referring to last week's... first erratas from Topaz Dragon fifty six seventy six. Integrated economy only lets you build one resource worth of units when taking Mechatol, not one ship. Also, you can't spend more resources during the free build, so I don't see how this works. Okay, we were excited. We we did a game last or uh, in in the play of the week last week. We described our own game where Yin got transit diodes round one, which was still crazy awesome. But then Super we thought cool. it was even cooler because he got integrated economy round two and built right. the huge van on Mechatol, which is illegal because we kind of misread or forgot here's my excuse can i give my excuse yeah go ahead give your excuse this is you're in trouble matt yeah this is maybe the second time i've ever seen integrated economy bought in game right because generally speaking i don't think integrated economy is that great of a tech purely because it's so late in the tech tree right like integrated economy is a pretty good tech but because it's three yellow deep it very 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 rarely sees play Mm-hmm. Because it would be way too good if you could use it like round one and two when you're gaining a lot of new planets, right? That, right on. That's, yeah. that's kind yeah. of like gross. So they made it late game, but then as a late game tech, it's kind of not especially effective. So we just kind of forgot the specifics of how integrated economy works. And really, integrated economy is sort of purely for ground forces, is kind of like it's only useful as a ground force builder, right? Like, can we agree right. that that's that's really the only reason? That's mainly what it's for. Because like, if you take a two resource planet, that means you can spend. You may build. You may produce any number of units on that planet that have a combined cost equal to or less than the planet's resources. So what we got wrong is we thought we could build a number of units up to the amount and spend any amount of money, and we got it backwards. You can build any number of units, but the cost has to be what the planet is worth, and you do still also have to spend it. But like. If you take a two plan, two resource planet, you can just build four ground forces as soon as you take it. That's, that's wicked awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy good. But 
not what we were trying to do with it. <laughs> still doesn't at all. stack. Still doesn't stack with Sarween, right? That's no, not a thing. you cannot use no. Sarween, and yeah. and yeah, you're only. It's really only useful for build. Now I'll say this much: still a very good Yin get in that case, right? Like right. getting a bunch more ground forces on planets you just took is. It's a little bit win more, but it is still super good and so I, I would still say very cool for a yin to get it round two but we sort of told we, we what happened is yin took mechatol and had integrated economy and we were like or maybe it was just me was like oh you could build a huge van there whereas i don't even think the player was planning to build the huge van on mechatol they right. were probably just going to drop a couple ground forces, and then we convinced them they could do otherwise. So I, I'll take full responsibility for this horrible mistake. It's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I'll, definitely I'll, I'll your take fault. Um, yeah, uh, it was it was still a really good play of the week. Uh, it just doesn't have that cherry on top of the huge van. Right. Like I still stand by getting an integrated economy, getting the tech. Yeah, yeah. It, it really changes very little because like and, and honestly, didn't even, he, doing the same thing too, like taking Mechatol and then just getting two extra ground forces there. Like all of those steps are still yeah good. Everything a lot of in the that time process. that's that's gonna make the difference too. Yeah, like yeah. throwing those extra ground forces on Mechatol. You know how how clutch that is. Yeah. So why, Hunter? Why did we start with uh, Arada? Uh, uh, I think because we poop, we pooped, the, we pooped the bed so hard. Yeah, that and we also were just like mm. uh, because you kind of actually weren't here to talk about it last week. Uh, I mean, you were sort of. Re- I, I I recorded that one solo, so I think uh, it is worth sharing off the top here a little bit more about that game. What do you think? I I, I want to yeah. dive into. We only talked, or I only talked about what Yin did. But like we played a full game and it was a pretty fun one. So um, let's let's talk about that game where the Yin got integrated economy round two. Who were you? Uh, I was playing Barony of Letnev, uh, very specifically leaning towards the scientists of Letnev yeah. play style that we described. Right. Uh, which I still don't know if that really was the right play for well, me or what. Yeah, because sort of like what we uh, outlined in that Barony episode is you you sort of have to start going for scientists of letnev before you know if the objectives are going to support you and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the main weakness of it is like yeah you're going to get a ton of tech but like in this game the tech objectives didn't really come out if they had you would have been so terrifying but yeah they did the objectives didn't yeah they, they didn't really help me and also like it was nice uh i actually had a lot more tech than basically anybody. Like, oh yeah, like most yeah. most players in this game didn't even really have basic like movement no. really figured out. Right. Um. So I felt a lot more mobile than everybody else. Uh. It's just that I was the only one, and Matt won the game, and he was sitting across from me. Yeah. So like it was very difficult for me to stop him in the end, or even really be a a major problem in any way. It feels like um, every time Hunter and I play together, I'm in the position that Hunter doesn't want me to... There, Hunter hates playing with me because if I sit next to him, he starts the game off being like, oh, I hate being adjacent to Matt. And then if we sit completely across from each other, it's like, oh, I hate being so far away from Matt where I can't do anything about it. Like, there's just never... Hunter and I's relationship at the TI table is always in conflict. I'm... Always. I'm hey, wait. I know exactly where I want you to sit. Okay, where's that? I want... This is where you sit. This is where I like <laughs> you to be. So you're not my neighbor, you're but my you're my neighbor's, neighbor's neighbor. Yeah, two away. So this was you were you too were far all away. the way across, right? So like you were that player, but I want 
essentially you just be on the other side of my neighbor can, can i so ask that, which which neighbor would you prefer like if in, in hunter's ideal situation would i be two away down, from you on the right or two away from you on the left uh on the left i want picking you downstream you. of me yeah yeah i want you picking you after me yeah right yeah okay um well i was mentech in this game and I did the normal Mentech thing. Well, actually, no, I did I did my favorite Mentech thing, which is the, the entire reason I picked Mentech in this game was because I had Starpoint New Albion in my home slice. I had it adjacent to my home system. And to me, when I have that, I'm kind of just like already giddy about getting Cruiser 2 round one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say... And you did it. You did I did it. it. I did do it. Um, I, I still think it's super great, but I think I'm going to start toning down a little bit how I've in the past I've talked about it sort of like if you've got Starpoint New Albion in your home slice like you should get like I would I I was planning to take diplomacy in that game uh right but the only reason I didn't wait why because I wanted to be able to flip Starpoint New Albion you got that's that's the whole thing is to get Cruiser 2 you got to flip the game okay but But extra was in the game extra was in the game and they took diplomacy just before me so I ended up taking what did I take? I don't even remember what I took round one. I think it kind of well, was irrelevant. Regardless, that's crazy that you got to you got an opportunity. Oh, I know what to I took. Do that. Actually, okay, I I do want to break this down. I was very into my round one mentech play because Hunter, you had tech because you were playing scientists mm-hmm. of Letnev. Right. Extra had Diplo because they're extra and sometimes extra does that. I took politics because I was I was I picked fifth. So I was second to last. Oh, my God. This was my favorite thing ever because I took politics and then uh, was offering up the speaker. token. I offered the speaker token to you across the table from me, causing Mm -hmm. me like I was going to have to pick fourth. But I offered you speaker token in return for timing out tech off of the Diplo play. Yeah. Right. I needed to take Starpoint out New Albion on my first turn. Second turn, Extra needed to play Diplomacy, and then second turn for you needed to be Tech. And I I needed everybody to coordinate with me, so I offered basically to you to timeout Tech Speaker Token, and the offer to Extra was like, I'm giving Hunter Speaker Token. Extra was to my right. So it was like, Extra, you could either go last or you can go third. And if you go, th- if you want to go third, you need to play Diplo at the right time. So I, I used Speaker Token as all of the leverage that I needed to be able to get my Cruiser Two round one. Yeah. Now, was it worth it? Um, I, I personally think so, because what it allowed me to do was I took um, an equidistant system round one. I took RNM Mir right, with my right. two cruisers. I think that's right. Or did I go did I go adjacent to Mechatol first and then no, I No, I think you went for RNM Mir. Yeah, I did. I didn't first. get I didn't get adjacent to Mechatol for a while. So I went straight to RNM Mir, which was important because Nalu was the person who was going to be racing me there and and she was very clearly gearing up. Like Nalu and I had um a, a contentious relationship from the start and it revolved around the fact that our equidistant was RNM Mir. So I knew I needed to rush there, and getting Cruiser 2 round 1 was kind of crucial in that. Now, I will say the weakness of, like, putting everything into getting Cruiser 2 round 1 is, in most cases, you're sending both of those cruisers to the same system, since they can only carry one ground force, right? You're either sending two cruisers to two single-planet systems and kind of almost feeling like you're wasting a command counter, or you're sending both cruisers 
to one system, and then it kind of feels like, couldn't I have done this with a carrier? Right. I don't know. It, it is a little bit, it's, I, I, I'm, all this is to say, I'm not as into it as I have previously been, but especially in this game, and in a lot of cases, I do think it's still very, very good, um, but I did miss having, neural. I never got neural that game. I never had time to get neural, and that's like the number one argument against skipping to getting cruiser two round one is like you never get neural and neural is a great tech so kind of like why not why not delay things have a more solid round one get neural and then just get cruiser two round two i i i sympathize with that argument um but i don't know i i still was very into my cruiser two round one and i think it helped make my game because then from there i was able to be very very aggressive against nalu um i I started digging in my PDS network and made it to where RNM Mir was very, very difficult for her to attack. Uh, and then continued to push. And I, I was basically pushing into Nalu's slice the entire game um, because all my objectives just kept pointing me in that direction, unfortunately for Laura. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is when you're playing against Matt, this is just kind of some strategy for if you play against matt on tts Hmm. you have to you have to have a zero tolerance policy you can't like you 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 can't hope that like if matt says oh i'm just taking this for a minute and i'll leave that's that's not true that is definitely not true can i can i it is no you have to gut him (laughs) here's here's the here's the point and you you were saying this earlier and, and i'll agree with this it's not that it's not true it's not that i'm just straight up lying it's that I if the objective is I need come it, out and just yeah. encourage you to keep doing right. it. That's the if, problem. If I don't, if it's not going to get me the point, I'm not going to keep doing it. Which is of what course. what happened eventually with Nalu, which was like I, I, you know, had other objectives to go do. So I finally stopped. You know, I wasn't going to just take Nalu's home system to take it. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not looking to do that kind of thing. But if you have objectives that I need, then yeah, I won't stop. Uh, and, and I'll tell you that I'll stop, and then I won't. But I, you know, I'm just objective focused and that's all. It what what should to. Nalu have done, you think? Instead? Um, two, two things in my view. And I don't know that these would have worked. I'm not, th- this is coming from a I wasn't in her head and I wasn't in her game. Right. I don't know what her right. goals were. But the two things that could have helped were a she had at one point she had an opportunity to either uh, rush a fight against me. Or rush a fight against her Lizix neighbor. Um, so here, here was the problem with Nalu. Is she was fighting over Aaron M. Mir on one side and Baraglur to four on the other side. Right, right. So she rushed to get Baraglur to four. And Nalu against Lizix is kind of an interesting matchup, I realized. they. I, I don't think either of them really has an advantage there, do you? I, I, don't, I don't know who comes out ahead in a Nalu versus Lizix. No, I, I, no, I don't, I don't think, which is what we saw. We saw, we saw the two of them trade Baraglur to four, I think four times over the course of the game. Um, Mm. but I think if she had just jumped on Aaron Amir, I would have had a hard time taking it back. And she, she could have then later gone for Baraglur to four. Um, but I was able to just lock it down so much that it, it hurt her. So that's the first thing is, she chose she she just rolled the dice and and chose the wrong fight first. I think she should have gone for RNM Mir faster. And the second thing is, once I started to gut her, she didn't really plead her case to the board 
that much. Maybe she did and I just didn't notice it, but I don't remember her kind of like offering up stuff for people to attack me. Especially, right. I didn't have, my, my the neighbor to my right was X-Cha, and at any point, Laura could have been like, X-Cha, I need you to start hurting Matt very badly, and I will pay you to do so. She never really did that, and X-Cha didn't really have an interest in hurting me and, you know, taking advantage of the fact that I kind of pushed everything to my left. Right, you you pushed you push that direction, and your your flank was pretty exposed. Oh, yeah, I, I was like, very exposed, yeah. and X-Cha just chose to not jump on it, and Laura should have given some more, some extra incentive, incentive. to yeah. X-Cha to, to do that. So th- that's what I think we're... Laura's two mistakes not even like a oh what a mistake but just like a oh that that's a tough those are tough calls to make and it's like it's like that time that you bribed Michael right. as a ghost player to help fight against Arborek yeah uh, in the, that, game. that was in, yeah in the uh in the stream game I think that I was think like, that's what and we, we outlined this in the like winning from behind thing but I think that's what you have to do if you start if you yeah, get hit for early sure. you just immediately pay up it's it's time you gotta to make deals. Yeah. That's that's why you have those notes is so that you can right. in those situations throw them out there. Definitely, um, Hunter. Tell me more. About oh, and your... Nalu even has the best one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Pre- prescience. Like you, you. I was Nalu, that's, honestly that's what I was like, trying to get all game too. That's like I just wanted. I kept that. That was the other incentive of continuing to gut Laura. Was like at every move I was kind of like. I mean, you could give me gift of prescience and I will stop. But right. Laura was smart right. and did not give it up. Right. Yeah, uh, you would have just been insured the victory at that right, point. Right. Right. Uh, Hunter, tell me a little bit more about your scientist Aletnev game when the objectives weren't in your favor. What do you, what, uh, what do you think it? I mean, did it? The problem is your left side was Yin, and Yin was doing a good job of just like Yin was just. I, you never got. I to was go having over there. the the opposite game that you were having. Right. I you had two was, contentious neighbors. I had two contentious neighbors that I clashed with. Um. Yin was dumping ground forces on everything and I couldn't get I didn't have the um the money to like like I the the whole uprooters of Letnev thing I think we do need to kind of think about that strategy in general because the problem is this you you have a, a ceiling on how much you can uproot and it's it's a pretty like it's kind of a low ceiling when you actually look at it how do you mean um so you've got five dreadnoughts. Yep. You've got the the flagship, and then plasma scoring. Right. So that, like yeah, you have that amount of bombardment. Yin was li- literally dumping so many ground forces on things, like with especially with the early game transit diodes, that that did not seem like enough. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. To you make you the very difference. early on decided I'm not doing uprooters because it's it's Yin. I just won't. Well, I won't be able to uproot. I mean, I. I tried, but I my economically I could not. Yeah, I could not pump out the dreadnoughts fast enough. Yeah, and it just felt like we we, we were just wasting time. Right. So I I early on uh, tried to to cut Yin down. It didn't really work out, and then I had to turn on L one. Yeah, uh, which is actually what I was going to prefer not to do because L one has that flagship. Yeah, uh, that I feel like really hurts like a a traditional barony fleet. Yeah. Um. But they, uh, I was able to take a lot more from L1. It's just like, like Yin just went such an interesting tech path yeah. and got it, got it working so, so quickly. Yeah. yeah. That like early game transit diodes, just watching all of those it was amazing. Uh, infantry move around and they were just hitting so good to where it was like, I knew that I actually probably needed to build like a lot of infantry in order to uproot. Yeah. 
but that just, I never had time to do that. Right. Um, I teched really well, and I had a lot of, I had so much tech, I can't even remember everything that I had. <laughs> I had a lot, and uh, I felt really secure in that way. I was, besides you with Cruiser 2, I was the only player that could move a lot of stuff around yeah. on the on the board, which I think was helpful fighting against L1 because I could figure out where L1 could get to and could not get to. It just felt like I could juke a lot easier. Yeah. Um, the problem ended up being because nobody else had really like teched that well, when you were like the bad guy, I was the only one that could do anything about it, but I was movement. sitting across from you. Right. Yeah, I was you the only the one movement, that had the but movement. but you were the furthest do... away. Right. If you, if you don't have that movement in the late game when it becomes about like, all right, how are we going to stop so-and-so? Well... That's like you have to have that movement in order right, to do it. Right. And I was the only one that had really invested in that. Yeah. I want to um, say this about this game. I think Yin played the best game. I got the luckiest is kind of how it worked out. I agree with that. I, I Yin won was because straight up. It yeah, was nuts. Yin yeah. was scoring points that it's not like they were just coming automatically. They were just like putting themselves in all the right positions. The, I think maybe Yin's number one mistake and the, the thing that cost them the game was just not getting Imperial... Uh, as often as they could, they they sat on Mechatol for most of the game, and they could have um, gotten more points out of that. But they they were trying yeah. to not they were trying to not take a huge lead, right? They were trying to to remain a little bit in the pack. But I think Yin can afford to take a huge lead because your stuff is so hard to take. It's kind of you. I think Yin is one of the few factions where it's just like I can jump on ahead, and you're not going to be able to do enough to stop me. I agree uh, with what you're saying, but the thing was, I actually had public disgrace like that entire game. Oh yeah, and I think he knew, right? Because well, yeah, he was, was being smart about every everything. He was like, he he never like wasted a strategy card pick. So yeah, I just I I just feel like he knew because at, at one point after he had taken Mechatol, I was okay with um, I I got his support for the throne. Yeah, and I was cool with that because I was like, well, I've got public disgrace. So I can stop him in that final round if right. he goes for a Mechatol play. Right. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. It, it's hard. It's hard to know. I yeah. I I I do want to make one quick note. I had like a really crazy action card game. Oh that game. yeah, that's right. I ended up getting three sabotages, three of the four. Like I right off the them. top too, right? You said like oh, yeah. round it two, like, you were like, like I my... have three sabotages, and we were all like wondering if you were bluffing. And you or guys not, laughed. You no, you guys laughed, and I had, I yeah. had, a, I had three sabotages and like one other thing. It was completely insane. But I ended up, you know, I had public disgrace. I had, I used uh, Rise of the Messiah. Yeah. Uh, I got a bunch of the just really great one-time use uh, yeah. things. And that's why I say like Neural, like it's, it's good. It's never, it's never, a bad I, w I wished I had Neural that whole game. Cause that was my one. Th I was getting lucky everywhere else. And if I had also had like a good action card economy, I think I would have been significantly more unstoppable, but I, I never got to thumb, like add action cards to what I was doing. A good rule of thumb. I feel like is if you don't have Neural, um, do the secondary of politics. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, and just I was doing that, that. a yeah. must spend. Yeah. Yeah. The other interesting part of that game was it was all people from the Space Cats Peace Turtles Discord. We played with yeah. Laura and Queso and DKVN and Enlightener. Uh, Enlightener was in from out of town. Everyone else was some of our Portland locals. And uh, yeah, just a super rad game. Was really into everything everybody was doing. Um, but Hunter, we're we're like thirty minutes into this episode, and we haven't even done what the episode is about yet. Yeah, what are we doing today, Matt? What are we so, gonna do? I feel like we have been thinking about this episode 
a lot, despite the fact that we really only prepped it today. But I feel like this episode marks the beginning of Hunter and I like revisiting topics. Yeah, this is, I would say, the revisionist arc of the show where yeah. we've laid a lot of groundwork down. Um, obviously, we did. We've, you know, we've been doing the show for almost a year now. Isn't yep. that crazy? Coming up on um, a year anniversary. Yeah. And the the information that we have presented in this show has been is, all bad. Is un- yeah. Well, it's been all horrible. So we're starting over. This is episode one um, <laughs> in introduction. Uh, no, uh, it's uneven is really the thing. Yeah. It, a lot of people even pointed this out as we were doing the first round strategy guides. Our methods yeah. were changing. Yep. Um, because we were learning more about the game. So now we're kind of going to go back over a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we feel like we've changed a lot on, um, and th- this isn't going to be like a specific to one faction kind of episode, um, we're going to just talk about optimal like tech yeah, paths, yeah. Basically. So in episode four of Space Cats Peace Turtles, we outlined a lot of tech. We walked through and we described every single technology. So we're we're not going to really do that today. We're not going to like read every tech and kind of review it. Right. But that's what right. we were doing initially, and we were doing that before having even played the game. So that was kind of like this weird blind look at how tech all played off of each other. But obviously, we have a lot more information now. So we want to kind of take that tech discussion to the next level. And this would be like a sequel episode yeah, to that episode. Yeah. So let's let's first off, Hunter, you said optimal tech paths. We should kind of define that before we get into what that means for like a bunch of different factions and stuff. Well, I think an optimal tech path t- just takes a couple things into consideration. It allows you to, um, well, first of all, it would allow you to score the basic tech objective of yep. two tech and two colors. Right. Um, it allows you to the the tech that you're receiving is good and useful for your faction right it's not uh tech that you're not going to use things like majin yep um and it also gives you access to enough upgrades to fulfill um at least the two upgrade but even better if you can and get three. even better yeah. if you can get the three upgrade which yeah. is uh i think we both agree is the easier of the two um stage two tech objectives for sure right so let's talk about why ti4 has optimal tech paths because this kind of at least at at our skill level in ti3 which i think you and i have both realized in doing the show was not that great we were yeah we were not super good but we weren't playing it we we were playing often but i think there was a lot more like high-minded strategy we could have understood about ti3 and we weren't there so I'm going to make a statement, and I could be totally wrong here, and people like Blarknob will probably call me out on it. But I'm going to say that TI3, the tech game was a little bit more open. Now, it was way more rigid because of the crazy uh, tech tree. The tree, yeah. And, like, you never saw late game tech. Like, I never once saw X89 bacteria bacterial weapon get picked, right? And, and like, right. fleet logistics was very rare. Very, very rare. Um, But... In the lower levels of tech, it always felt like you could kind of just get whatever you wanted because everyone started with like a weird mix mat, like just just a weird mix of of tech. It, it wasn't like everyone started with like a baseline, just like, oh, some people right. start with right. deep space cannon and some people start with this. And like it was a little bit all over the place and it meant you could kind of just get whatever you wanted. 
in any game. There, there was no just like, oh, you if you're playing as this faction, you have to get this. And uh, TI4, because of the way they chose to structure it, they made it, they made late game tech more accessible, but in doing the color tech tree, the like much more basic method, they also made it a lot more shallow. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you, I mean, the, the concept of optimal tech paths, I think just didn't exist in TI3. And so the idea of, first off, the technology objectives, you know, score two and two colors, two upgrades, three upgrades, two faction tech, all of that, that already set forth a like, okay, there are certain tech goals all factions need to consider now. And then in addition to that, in TI3, faction technology was not a part of the tech tree. Mm-hmm. Faction tech in TI3 was just, it had an extra cost. You completely just, like, separate. Completely separate thing. So like some factions would just get their faction tech and others is like, eh, you never really get it. There's no point. You just get whatever tech you want. There's just a lot more synergy with the new system. Right. The new system is now, you know, in, in certain cases, or well, in all cases, like, okay, uh, Xcha has a green tech and a yellow tech as their faction tech. And if you want to capitalize your strengths as a faction... You're probably going to get your faction technology, especially if it's like, you know, halfway decent. Most factions are are trying to get their tech, which means you are forced to get certain other tech because of mm-hmm. that sort of hierarchy of like, okay, well, then I have to get neural and then I have to get instinct, you know, yada, yada, yada. So because of all of those things, uh, all factions really have like one or two desirable tech paths. Right. There, mm-hmm. It's not like every faction can just get whatever they want. They can do that, but it is not optimal. It's not efficient. It doesn't really help you uh, achieve like the superpower that you need to get by the late game. Right. 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 So there's a lot more. I would call it tech symmetry. Yes. Like a lot of the factions have a very like kind of uh, elegant like you get this tech and then this tech and then this tech and once right. you have you know all of those now you now can you're do ready this. to do your yeah. stuff now you're now right. you're playing That's... as your faction you start as like your faction but like the light version and the whole right. game you're trying to gear up to what we always describe as how do you become a superpower That's what we mean when we say that right. like your optimal think... tech path gives you access to your superpower. Yeah, I think TI3 had the same concept. It was just less symmetrical. Right. So, like, it was just a little more awkward as to how you would set up all mm-hmm. of And you would have to get more tech that didn't really directly help right, you. Right, Which is still a problem. Like, that's still something sure. that you have to do sometimes in even what we're going to talk about with these optimal tech paths. Right. But the idea of a tech path being optimal is a path where you're you don't have any dead tech tech yeah. that you're never utilizing that isn't important right at all. right so let's let's outline this a little bit more too we're, we're going to kind of go through a lot of these factions and talk about um like what we see as the optimal tech paths but i think before that we want to really outline and hunter hunter started to do this and i, I want to give some examples for all the things that hunter outlined of like what we're considering when we try to like design an optimal tech path right so the first one is you need to consider the objectives. You need to get two tech and two colors. You need to be mm-hmm. prepared to get two upgrades. And then even more so, you need to be prepared to get three upgrades. We're not really considering two tech in every color because that's, first off, that's just like the most boring way to play. Because if, if everyone was always considering two tech in all four colors, everyone's going to get the same tech pretty much every game. And, right. and that objective only comes up, you know, pretty 
pretty rarely. The reason right. we the reason we go ahead and consider three upgrades is because it's actually not that far out of the way in most cases. If you can get two upgrades, you usually can get a third without going out of your way. So that's right. an and easy the fact two that you, point. Up, that's an easy two point objective to acquire right. from most factions. And any tech objective that you can accomplish within the within a one round, you might as well just consider that you have it in your pocket, right? Right. Like right. Like it, like if you have your two upgrades and you're like, cool, I've got that, and you qualify for a third, which is very like it's pretty obvious. That's almost always going to be true. Yeah. Um, well, actually, not always, but there's just a lot of a lot of the tech paths that we're going to talk about are kind of a lot of the same choices. And I think some of the reason that that comes up is because they the uh, colors were not evenly distributed as far as like what upgrades they provide. Right. There are some there are some tech colors that provide right. a lot more right. like uh, upgrades than others. Like green, green. And a lot more useful ones. Yeah. When we, throughout this uh, episode, we're probably going to often refer to tech paths as being like two colors in conjunction with each other because we're always trying to get two tech in two colors right so one of the ones that we realized in looking through all this is like the green red tech path doesn't really exist nobody mm-hmm. really goes for green and red um as as a baseline because there's no upgrades that you can really benefit from like first right. off uh destroyer 2 is just not that impressive of an upgrade uh, War Sun is so deep that it's just, it very rarely seems worth it to get it. So that's the two major red tech upgrades that you're just not going for. And so then the only other option is the green stuff. And yeah, ground forces are good, but like usually you're coupling ground forces with movement. Car- carrier yeah, you need to get like, those yeah. ground forces places. You don't need red right. tech to enhance the ability of your infantry. You need blue tech. So with objective... like. Because the objectives are laid out the way that they are, it makes it to where certain tech paths are just not very viable, mainly right. green-red. Right. Uh, the next thing is... It's, it's the lack of synergy. Yeah, that's it's, the, it's that's just the, thing. the lack it's, of you're synergy. Getting, you're getting different tech abilities that are not... They don't make each other more effective right. in any way. Right, Yeah. So the next one is faction tech. We have to consider every faction's faction tech in this sort of you know tech tree that we're building, this tech path. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Our goal is to always reinforce our strengths. You know, the best examples of this are something like Mentac or who else like really bent. I mean, Federation of Soul is like the number one example of just like their faction right. tech helps them so much more than it helped, you know, than anybody else. I, I would describe this as like the Muat problem. Muat sort of has a, a hard optimal tech path because their two faction tech just aren't. That, I mean, like, their upgraded War Sons is one thing, but their other tech is not that impressive. So you 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 leave that out of your consideration, and it, it makes it harder to design an optimal tech path. Right. I mean, I would I would say an even better example would be something like Sardak Nor uh-huh. that start with no tech, period. Right. And then one of their faction tech is two red, and the other is two blue, one yellow. Right. There's no symmetry in right. that. You that, have that to just pick completely one. completely different directions. Right. And right. the idea that you're going to be able to get both is very, very difficult. Right. Uh, as, as like, you know, I, I think maybe... Uh, Ghost of Creus is kind of interesting in that way too. That yeah. that it forces you to kind of go possibly a blue red path, which is like kind of different. Right. Um, another. Well, I think and I think probably the the faction with the best like tech symmetry is essentially either Isarl or Soul. Right. Because 
you're going you're going to want to go blue green. Right. Uh, you're going to want to get those upgrades. Those all synergize with yep. like the objectives. Right. Um, and you start with a blue green. Right. And you're then with ready the Sarl, to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the Sarl, you can essentially go all the way down green, uh, skipping every questionable green tech for a faction tech. Right. Right. Um, That's just it's just different. They they are they have different symmetries for every faction. Right. Uh, the the next consideration is like we want to get tech as fast as possible, um, and we don't want to get any extraneous tech because we're trying to fulfill these objectives and we're trying to get all these things. The this is I call this like the the neural motivator factor, uh, right. which is that neural motivator is a great tech and everyone has access to it. And technically speaking, like everyone benefits from it. You could you you, you could make the argument to me that everyone should get neural motivator every single game, no matter what. And, sure. and I would pretty much agree with that, except for when you have to consider optimal tech paths. And so, like, in the Mentac game we just described, I would have loved to have Neural, but I was so focused on getting my Cruiser 2 and then gunning it for mirror computing because I want to optimally get that tech. Right. I, I, it doesn't save room to just get Neural. Right. So, whereas in TI3, you could have gotten little things along the way because kind of like oh i sort of have access to everything as long as it's in the tech tree that i'm you know in in the branch of the tree i'm going down in ti4 the the branches are there there just aren't as many and so you don't jump onto other branches as often so also, there's a timing factor with neural right like if you get neural round one is the most useful it's going to be so right. if you're getting it after round one there's an opportunity cost right. that you have to consider every round that you don't get neural you have less reasons to get neural on the last round of the game neural is, is not useless a good buy right. yeah right it is completely useless if you're literally in the like oh we're gonna finish things in the action phase or status phase of this round like obviously so, and, and I and I don't even think just neural is that. I mean, no, Sarween, Sarween has the, the opportunity cost. Yep, Daxiv sort of depending on like the timing. If you're right. not going to get to use Daxiv, then whatever. Right. Um, I think transit is pretty much always useful, but that's just me. Right. Uh, you know, I, I it's all about looking at what you could possibly research and thinking about what's going to help you. You you picked mirror computing over neural. Right. Which I, I you won the game, so, so like I maybe don't think it's a good that pick. right, <laughs> right, right. Like you're like, oh, I'm sad that I didn't get as many action cards. Well, it didn't matter, yeah. and you didn't. It didn't end up factoring into it. Right. Uh, the the next big consideration is um, starting tech. Um, we're trying to get to our superpower mode as fast as possible, and the best mm -hmm. way to do that is to get things that are in line with the tech that we start with. Right. Uh, this is sort of the Hakan. This is what makes Hakan weird. This is also like the L1Z1X problem, I would say. Right. L1Z1X right. starts with green-red, and I would definitely make the argument that you maybe never get another green-red tech ever again with yeah. Lizix. Like, there's very right. little reason to get any other green-red despite starting with it. Uh, Hakan is weird because your faction tech is green-yellow, and you benefit a lot from going down, like, green and yellow, but you start right next to Dreadnought 2. Why not go that way, right? It's right. kind of always the argument. Why not get Dreadnought 2? You're almost there. Mm -hmm. um, so it, when we consider optimal tech paths, we're always going to try to consider what you start with and how that enhances your ability to get to that late-game stuff faster it's just another factor that contributes to the symmetry or asymmetry of a faction's like tech options and yeah it hakan is very interesting in that way because you know you've got you have access to so many different interesting 
uh, like directions you could go. You could gun it for Quantum Data Hub right. now, which a lot of people do that, and yep. they love it. But Dreadnought 2 is also a very important, like, upgrade. if not the most important upgrade. Yeah. And you're yeah. you're so close. You're closer than anybody right. to that. Right, And the, the last consideration for an optimal tech path, and, and this is sort of like, this is where tech skips come in, and that's we want to ignore bad tech as much as possible. This is the right. this is the Majin Defense Grid problem. Majin Defense right. Grid is a mostly useless tech. There are a couple of side cases where it's okay, um, but for the most part, like the reason you don't see that many factions want to go down the red tech tree is because Majin is almost always in the way, and right. buying Majin is a waste of a round. Right, and there's also the uh, I have to buy Graviton. I do not have any PDS. Problem. Yeah, right, 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 right. Gravi- Graviton thing. can be a great tech, but if you're not a PDS faction, Graviton is completely useless. Right, you will just straight up not get to use it at all, and that's uh, I like you 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 put bad tech in the outline. I like to think of those tech as dead tech. Yes, just like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just there. It's, it's not it's not doing anything. For all you. it did was get grant you access to the other things that you need, and that's and not wanna, optimal. You want to avoid that. Like exactly. you don't you don't want that to happen. You want your tech to to work for you, basically. Right. Right. And accomplish you objectives. That's the idea. Is that it does both. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the the other things to just like we kind of have to make little side notes for are. Uh, obviously, we want to consider secret objectives as well. We kind of put the focus on the public objectives because it's you know it's way more common that you see, especially the the stage one public objectives, two tech and two colors and two upgrades. You just have to consider those because mm-hmm. they're going to be in a vast majority of games. Well, and um, you're yeah, you're going to see them more often than anything else, right? Basically, but you 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 know the the best the most optimal tech paths are the ones that also leave room for you to be able to claim both secret objectives because there's nothing better than like sitting on a free secret objective right like oh i could just claim Mm -hmm. this tech secret objective at any point the number of times i've like won a game or like been able to maybe win a game because i'm just gonna get a free secret objective in the status phase you know it, it it's a hugely powerful thing so the two secret objectives are two faction technology and four tech of the same color I wouldn't start a game planning to get those because you can't control what secret objectives you're going to get. But the most optimal tech paths are the ones where you're going to have easy access to those. That's the other reason right. we say right. Soul and Asarl have the most efficient things because Soul, everything they're doing leads to them fulfilling these objectives and Asarl, kind of the same thing. Like it's very easy to get the four tech in one color because you're just already mm-hmm. doing it. That's what we always want to consider. We want to already be doing the stuff that gets us those objectives, right? Exactly. We never we never want to go out of our way to score a tech objective. We want to be getting tech that is good for us and also scores us tech objectives. Right. Uh what's some other messy business? Uh you brought up Dreadnought 2 earlier. Dreadnought 2 is just so good and you kind of always have to consider <laughs> Am I going to go for Dreadnought 2, right? I mean, yeah. it is optimal to get Dreadnought 2 because Dreadnought 2 is so good. The ability to ignore direct hit is kind of a huge deal in yeah. many games. Uh, right. it, it's it it's almost like my least favorite thing about Dreadnought 2 is that like I wish they had decided to give it different upgrades because the ability to ignore four of the action cards that are some of the most powerful action cards, like that 
that is rough. <laughs> and, and I think it's actually more of a meta advantage. Right. Like, because the, the thing is, when you don't have Dreadnought 2, you get scared to to use your sustained damage, right. which is part of the whole reason that you built the Dreadnought yeah. in the first place. When you have Dreadnought 2, you are you just are free. Like, it is the most yeah. liberating thing in the world. It's just like, yeah, I can just send my Dreadnoughts in, and I'm going to be able to get a free hit every single right. combat. Right. Like, yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of weight off. The other, the other one is Ground Forces. Ground Forces, yeah. just the way TI4 is designed right now, and our understanding of it is that, like, Ground forces are super important. It's it's an it's a simpler math equation than space combat. Ground, invasion combat, ground combat is very very basic and can be swayed a lot by having better and more ground forces. Yeah. And it's, it's like it is, my two favorite upgrades is right. Dreadnought 2 and uh Infantry, Infantry 2. 2. Right. Because and, it's, it's also don't even for, don't forget about not only are they hitting better, it's just the fact that you get to you keep You get them. to keep them in like 50% of situations. Yeah, yeah. It's it is just so good and we have to always consider with every faction like do I go for ground forces because I do I do need better ground forces. And especially like when it comes down to if like two factions are optimally getting better ground forces, I'm looking at soul and like yin then mm-hmm. everybody else kind of has to consider getting better ground forces because you just have to keep up. If you don't keep right. up, they're going to crush you. So sometimes you have to change the way your faction goes down tech because you kind of just need to get better ground forces. I would call that like the ghost problem, right? That, that's where my ghost guide was mostly born out of is, no, you wouldn't normally go for ground forces, but because you don't have a lot of other advantages, you sort of need to just get the best upgrade in the game and that that will right, help you right. more and it's like our our yin player the other day yeah uh, didn't really let's it's not like our yin player had a better fleet than me that they, they were my neighbor right I, I was barony i had a better fleet right but th- it just didn't matter right if you have ground forces everywhere it's like i don't have the resources to cut into your slice right basically and right. actually take things reliably it's the most defensive thing you can do yeah it's just like you it gets to a point where if people focus on ground forces and have, you know, infantry too, it's like this is not worth the effort. That's the thing. It's the opportunity cost becomes right. like I just need to go for somebody else because right. I don't have time to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so the we're gonna kinda get into the second half of this episode now. Um we wanted to kind of do an overview of all of the factions again and the tech paths that we feel like make the most sense to them right um i know that we've already in all of the first round strategy guides we've gone over tech paths for everybody right but at this point a lot of our feelings have changed yeah. and our ways of thinking about be, tech paths has be changed. prepared for us to contradict ourselves a little bit in some of this right. Uh, right and it's just because our opinions have changed um and, and also we want to do a little bit of more of a theory crafty type thing. Yes. so we're gonna bring up a faction talk about the things that make the most sense for them that where the most synergy is but then also just kind of be like what else could you do just kind of throw some spaghetti at the wall a little bit like right right would be really cool just explore the, i mean th- this is almost sort of like if we weren't playing optimally what would we do with this faction, yeah. right? Like, if, if we right. didn't have to consider the objectives and all these other things, what could we get away with? And is that worth considering at all? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's get two out of the way right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Jolnar. Federation of Soul. Oh, <laughs> well, no, well, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I want to get the I want to get these other two right out of just yeah, like yeah, out of I the forgot. gate. Like Jolnar, we don't talk about in this conversation 
because everything Jolnar does is optimal. There is right. no non-optimal Jolnar tech path. You start with almost everything completed. There's no way you're not going to accomplish objectives. I mean, I guess there is there are ways you wouldn't do it, but like it's so easy to consider them. Like you should score every tech objective and it shouldn't be going out of your way to do it. And yeah, that I mean there's just that's all there is to say about and, Jolnar. And it it just seems kind of silly to even be like, "Oh, there's a lot of symmetry here because yeah, there is because they start with you just one you start and every, with everything and you yeah. get whatever you want. You never right. you never get dead tech as Jolnar or you sh- I mean you definitely shouldn't be getting dead tech because you can skip but even tech if, whenever even you, if you want. But even if you do, it's probably not even that big of a deal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like even if you happen to, you're going to be getting so much tech that like whatever. Yeah. Um Add your your faction tech, like duh, get them. Right, you know, just get everything. Like it just seems like, and you're gonna be able to pretty easily. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. I, and, and I don't want that to sound like a cop out of like we're not. Te- it, maybe it feels like we've never told you as a Joel Nar player like what is the best thing to get, but it's be it is truly because you have to take it game to game. I have had Joel Nar games where like. I wanted to go for War Sons, right? That that has happened. I don't think it's the most optimal thing. I'll say this much. If, if we're going to give people something, you should put E-Res Siphons in your number one consideration. E-Res yeah. Siphons is a ridiculously good tech and is amazing to get round one or like very, very early. Um, yeah, it has that kind of neural motivator aspect too of like the earlier you get it, the, the more, more useful it'll right, be. Right. It's also a deterrent. It has a meta aspect. Yep. Uh, people have to consider when they're attacking you that they're going to give you trade goods. Everybody right. gets so mad all the time now right, right. when you attack Jolnar and give them trade goods. Yeah, I, I, it's I, the I've worst been thing in so world. many games where people <laughs> are like, is this necessary? Are you just attacking them for, are you going to get something out right. of this? Because you're going to give them trade right. goods and we don't like that. Yeah. The the reason I can't consider tech paths of like upgrades is because, well, for starters, you start with access to three upgrade, upgrades, like right off the bat. Because you have one green, one red, one blue, one yellow, you can get Cruiser 2, you can get PDS 2, you can get Fighter 2. Like, and all of those are good. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. there's you can get any upgrade that is good and you're going to be fine. Um, obviously, Infantry 2 is a great consideration for Jolnar since their infantry sucks so much, and you're right. only one tech away from getting that. Dreadnought 2, you're one tech away from. Carrier 2, you're one tech away. Like, just, you're going to get upgrades, and it's going to be very easy, so I'm not considering that. So the only other tech that's, like, worth bringing up as Jolnar is just, like, well, you can get to late-game stuff. So which late tree do you want to go down? Go for it. You know, right. do, do you want, is there an advantage in getting light wave deflector this game? Is there an advantage in having assault cannon? Um, are you going to benefit from having integrated economy, et cetera, et cetera? You know, obviously, you know, the best example in all this is like, you should probably also consider getting hypermetabolism, like round one or two, right? right. If, I, if I'm going to put a priority on any tech, it's E-Res siphons, hypermetabolism, and PDS2. Those are like the three things I think Jolnar benefit from the most so there i i gave you a recommendation for jolnar don't at me (laughs) Uh, leave leave him alone leave him alone uh the next one is just necro necro doesn't play this how are we even gonna do that yeah Yeah, we we don't even know how to now there's a little bit in terms of just like if it's a good tech game and people getting a lot of tech you get to like pick your poison sort of thing you know like okay who am i gonna attack to get what tech but i don't even want to tell you to do that because that shouldn't be how you're playing necro you don't you're not ne- i don't think it's good to play necro as just like a i should randomly attack people so that i can get some good tech no 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 no. you attack people because it gets you 
objectives and you are lucky to get tech along the way, right? Right. I don't play Necro as a, like, let's feast on all of the tech out there. You play Necro as do stuff and, like, happen upon some tech. And sorry, you don't, you just don't get to play the tech game as, uh, as intentionally. Right, right. And I mean, I, I, I feel like there is something to be said for, like, you're gonna have to just take the tech that synergizes with what you're building. Like if you're right. If Do, you're, I mean, go for the objectives too, right? Like, yes, in situations where it's like, okay, two tech and two color came out. I, I do mm-hmm. need to attack. Like that is when it is important to attack people to get their tech because it is worth a VP. So of right. course I'm considering that. I'm just saying if the tech objectives aren't coming up, you're not just willy nilly attacking people so that you can acquire some tech. Yeah, I th- I find frequently that with Necro, I almost never like I almost always end up going after fleet technology. Yeah, um, definitely. Because like if I were to, if I were to be like I'm going to do like a PDS Necro, you have you no can't guarantee control. that you're yeah. going to get the 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 technology that you need. Um, and having fleets is always going to be good. So yeah. I don't know. It's just it really hard just to depends on your that. neighbors. You Necro becomes. Right a mirror of their two neighbors whatever they're gonna get you're gonna kind of match that a little bit right okay so let's get into like the real the real real stuff stuff. yep you said soul and soul is sort of like the reason for this discussion right soul is the most optimal tech path in the game it's just so pretty it's the reason soul is good Mm -hmm. is just because like they they you don't buy a single dead tech and everything you get leads to objectives and increases the ability of your faction just it just all goes together so beautifully yeah. too. so so, so pretty hunter we did it in their faction guide but lay, lay it out for me again what are we what is what are we doing with soul so we're starting with neural which is great um we also start with anti-mass which is uh useful yeah. Um, mostly for what it enables us to do and less about the tech itself. Right. Uh, but a- you, you, I will say this, anti-mass is, in my opinion, never a dead tech. Nope, never. Um, always Because you never know useful. where those asteroids are going to be. And it's uh, always minus one to PDS. Like, it's going to benefit right. you somewhere. Right. It's useful. Don't forget um, that, by the way. I always forget that anti-mass is minus one to PDS. It's the only, uh, like addition or subtraction in the game outside of just like single use action cards ti3 was ripe with like oh i gotta do this mental math anti-mass mm-hmm. is the only mental math in ti4 now and because of that i forget about it all the time so don't forget anti-mass is not bad right anyways um, so obviously we're like like i said I, i'm i definitely have stuck to my guns when it comes to this you got to get that gravity drive uh so yep. that you can throw your stuff out there in places that is annoying to people so that you can get to Mechatol and take it early. Right. Um, it scare people off. Uh, and the only way you're going to do that is by beating other people to it. Yep. Um, so you're going to get that. You're going to get, uh, then you can either, uh, go ahead and pick up advanced carrier or what I think is probably the better play is go down green. Yeah. And your options with green are pretty interesting because you could go for Daxiv. It's right. useful to you. However, you could also skip and go to hyper right. and just be a command counter junkie. Right. Because it's the, a, it's the perfect example of like there's just nothing you can't do with soul. Like right. you could you you're you have the advantage of being able to skip something that is even still good for you. Like you just get right. to pick which of right. the two great tech do I want to have this game? Or what which of the two do I want to have right away? I could even see myself skipping to hyper because it's better. It has the neural factor. Uh, yeah. The earlier you get it, the right. better it is. Right. And um, then get and then Daxib coming later. back to Daxib. Yeah. Right. Um, 
so yeah, you want those two those two upgrades, uh, those two faction upgrades, because they're they're just fantastic and they synergize with you so well. Yep. I'll say advanced carriers is less essential than spec ops too. Yeah. I could see people making an argument for like, oh, if if maybe you rush for spec ops, t- uh, spec ops two, and then go. Uh, Sarween, yeah. and go for Dreadnought 2. You know what I found uh, interesting? I see that. In, in the tournament, yeah. I saw way more people rush for Carrier 2, though. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of get the argument of like, okay, if I have Gravity Drive and Carrier 2, I'm really getting my ground forces in some uh-huh. crazy places. And I, I, sure. I'm cool with that, especially because it's like, okay, they have sustained damage. I can send one Carrier with like four fighters and four ground forces anywhere I want, right? And it's gonna it's right. going to do whatever it wants. So I get that. But I think Hunter and I just love ground forces so much. We're gonna kind of always recommend infantry two first. But I, I do think you just you can pick. You can do either, and they're both gonna be great because you're gonna get right. both anyways. It just doesn't matter. It's which do you want first? I also see people make the argument that you don't even need spec ops too. That they'll yeah. be like your your infantry are already better. Sure, uh, you don't need to worry about it. But that reroll see, I, though. Yeah, it's the reroll. It, it's it's. Really I say reroll that revive whatever you want to call revive. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that ability to keep them, Gen uh, I, I feel like we just love. Yep. Do so, so there's kind of the basics that we've already laid out before. Uh, let's, talk like about, a- let's, let's talk about what does that give you? Like, why is it so optimal? Okay, well, we got two blue and two. We started with a blue and a green. It took us mm-hmm. two tech to get another blue and another green, and then two more tech to get two upgrades, right? So now we have already yep. fulfilled all stage one tech objectives. We also have the bonus of because both of our faction tech are our upgrades we just qualified for a secret objective for free yep so now all that we have left to do is two more tech in one color for the other secret Mm -hmm. one more upgrade and then yeah okay we kind of have to think about if we're going to get two tech in all four colors but like we said off the top you're never really making that a plan Right. Right. So the other considerations then are, okay, our third upgrade, we already qualify for fighter two if Mm -hmm. we want to do it. Also, we could go out of our way and get dreadnought two. Yeah, I could. I I also want to I want to throw this out there. Um, You could. So like it's the thing about soul that's interesting is and I think uh, I've I've definitely seen people uh, write to us um, kind of against the path that we propose yeah but like there's actually not really a lot of bad choices here no. so like if you're if you're listening to what we're saying and thinking like i'm not gonna go for spec ops 2 i think you should get fighter 2 and advanced carrier that also sounds I'm down good. like yeah. i'm not i'm not against you here I, i'm saying right. like it's such a good start you have so many good options that are so pretty yep. um even like talking about four tech and four colors um Two tech and four colors, yeah. Sorry, no. uh, Four tech and one color. Four tech and one color, sorry. Um, Four tech and one color for Soul is a fun game. Because Fleet Logistics is not a bad tech for Soul at all. No. Lightwave is a bit weird, but maybe you're getting... Still great. Maybe you're sending your carrier through... Lightwave is good for everybody. Right. But like, I don't know. Lightwave with carriers that move three with gravity drive, like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like, uh, hey, uh, I'm at your home system with my spec ops right, right now. Uh, right. You want to do something about that? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, I, I also I'll, I'll make I'll make the case that, for four green yeah, as well. Ahead. I mean X eighty nine is not great, but like if we're already getting Dax of hyper and starting with neural, like, okay, then it's yeah. only one more tech to just go ahead and grab X eighty nine. I'm not maybe and gonna like use I said, it, but I'll when fulfill the objective. When you're when you're one away from a certain tech objective, you basically have it in the pocket. Yep. Yep. So So that's Soul. Soul is just like the primo optimal 
tech faction, and that's well, why they're weird, so though. good. Do, do we have anything weird we want to throw out for them? I any, have. Any I have one. Ideas? I don't. I don't know if you have. You. You've probably played more Soul than I have, uh, or you definitely have. But I have a weird one, which is just like I'm interested in the yellow tech Soul. Uh huh. I don't think. Uh-huh. I don't think it's anywhere close to as good, but. After seeing the yin transit, transit diodes, diodes thing and the, and the integrated economy thing, like I could I could see Soul trying that and it being pretty effective. I think the the argument here that we'll probably make a bunch when we talk about green versus yellow is in regards to ground forces, I think of if you want your ground forces to be more powerful, you go for green. If you want to have more ground forces, you go for yellow. And both yeah. both are good, and you don't need both at the same time. It's an, it's an either or, and I, I generally think stronger ground forces is easier and faster, but there is certainly an argument for just like, I'm just going to swarm you with ground forces. I hear you. I think, I think the reason I don't feel like transit diodes and integrated is necessary is just because of orbital drop. Absolutely. If, if, if they didn't have orbital drop, well, and it's I too would, slow. I you start with blue green. You. You're already there. Yeah, you you might as well make your infantry uh, better and give yourself more movement options yeah. than just be able to transit diodes around. Uh, mostly because if you if you're doing orbital drop correctly, you should have that covered already. Right. This and it's is, so much more at will. Transit diodes is an exhaust that you can only do once per round. Right. And actually, in the context and so of integrated Seoul, economy. Right. Um, and in the context of soul, f- moving four infantry around actually doesn't even seem like a whole lot no, compared you, to like, the stuff you can yeah, really pump out. Exactly. Your carriers and your flagship are going to move carriers can way move eight. more. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, and, is that right? Yeah. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight when they're upgraded, 12 so, with your. I, it's ridiculous. I like doubted for a minute. Right. That just sounded so is that, crazy. Is to it me. that many? Yeah. And, and I think this is this is the perfect example as well of what we were talking about more off the top, which is like. Th- th- this is sort of the part where TI4 tech is less interesting, right? It would be cool to see Soul go deep into yellow and pull off slick maneuvers with integrated economy and transit. But it is so much further away from you than the other stuff, it just doesn't make any sense to get it. This is yeah. why you don't see Soul go for yellow, is because it's just like you're right next to blue green. Why would you not do that? Yeah, why well, it's so much easier. And because. There is really no uh, PDS soul on the books. Right. Um, although, let, let's get even freakier. Okay. Throw some PDS down, uh, get Gravitad, get Plasma, get Majin. Maybe Majin is a helpful? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll say this That's about crazy. Majin Defense Grid. Majin Defense Grid only becomes somewhat useful in large numbers, right? If it's mm-hmm. a 2v2 ground combat, Majin doesn't do anything. Ignoring right. one round of combat in a 2v2 is pretty much useless. But if it's like a 7v7, one round of combat could be like what makes or breaks it. If you get three yeah. hits in that first round of combat, you've completely changed the dynamic of the fight. So this is like the one situation where Majin is maybe okay. Right. Now, it's Regardless, a one-time I, it's I, exhaust, it's bad. No, yeah, I'm not saying no, Majin is good. No. I'm saying yeah. this is the only way it is good. And so if you were tr- trying to make a case to me of a pds thing where you also went down red tech or whatever okay i'll 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 bite you know like carrier two with geranium armor that's pretty interesting that is i don't know if it's better but like if we're gonna go down red if we've decided to do that 
I don't know. There's something there. It is less optimal than green blue, but you know, I'm interested to see it. Um, but I think it's unquestionably uh green blue right. in the most obvious way. Exactly. For first soul. First soul. Or blue it, blue green, I like to say better. Yeah, yeah. Um but. I think I think we'll later on see other factions where like you can make a better case for like the weirder side cases, but soul is the number one this is why people don't like soul is because it's kind of boring because they, it really is like all of you, you make all of the right choices easily and like diverging from that main plan kind of mm-hmm. like, why would you be do- like you're, you have right. such an automatic win if you check all of these boxes and it's just it's so hard to pretty. ignore. Right. It's, it's so, it's so pretty the way that it all synergizes and the way that it feels like you can't really mess up because you yeah. have so many good options. And you're not Joel Nahr. Like, I mean, obviously, d- d- with everything, no matter how much we might fawn over a particular faction, you should know. Like, Joel Nahr, yeah, it's the best when it comes yeah, to tech. Right. So, like, don't listen to me say this and think, like, what does he think that's... It's Soul just that it? Soul has other advantages as well on top of all of this, right. and it's ridiculous. Right. Um, so let's talk about another one. Uh, we, we've been bringing up Asarl a bunch, which is maybe a weird a weird uh, thing to some people because Asarl, the reason we're talking about Asarl is Asarl has two green faction technology. Mm-hmm. Magion implants and transparasteel plating both require green. So in terms of like getting two faction tech and getting two tech or uh, getting getting four tech of the same color yes those are both secret objectives and we set off the top like we're not trying to plan for that but no one does it better than a sorrel and we're talking about a sorrel here no one does secret objectives better no one does secret right. planning stuff better than a sorrel so it's, right. it's really like just adding to all of the things that they're doing super super well uh, what I think is really interesting about Asarl is they're probably the only faction I can make a strong argument for just rushing down one color. Yep. Essentially. Yeah. Just sprint to it. They, you kind of yeah. ignore the two tech and two colors, which is weird. And you're you're also honestly you're sort of ignoring upgrades, which is why it's like what are what are we even talking about? Then we're ignoring like one of the main stipulations we set up in the beginning here, but. It's because what you're going to gain from like sprinting down green is a lot of power in the late game. And then you're going to, you know, it's not going to be that hard to get two more tech and colors and get some upgrades, right? If you're going yeah. straight down green, okay, well, we're going to get infantry too, because why not? And then what? We get a blue and fighter too, or whatever. It's like we can kind of just get whatever we want. It is a little bit more out of the way, but what's not out of the way is getting lots of very, very valuable green tech. What I love about Isarl is we're skipping everything that is somewhat dead Useless. to us. Yeah. 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 Daxiv is a good tech, but transparasteel plating replacing it is great. Yeah, especially for just like the kind of general synergy of it. Right. So yeah, you you start with neural, which obviously is the most neural of all the neural yeah. um text uh trans <laughs> transparent plating uh it's only use useful in late the late game. game but if you get hyper after that and then majin now Mage-ion. it feels like we have a majion sorry uh it feels like we have a very strong uh like like list of abilities right. and i think people get scared um with going down this particular path because they think like oh well i'm not gonna have the movement that i need to to groove around yeah um well, your flagship is the only two movement flagship in the game, and right. I would encourage you to use it for that reason. Yep. And then the other deal is you're hopefully if you have especially Magion uh, right. early, uh, you're 
most certainly going to have uh, flank speeds. Right. That those are hopefully right. going to be available to you. And Mageon also is a neural type tech where the right. earlier you get it, the better it is for you and yep. the more useful it is. Right. And what so what's interesting to me about Isarl is we're we're ignoring some of the, the, the victory condition things, but like it is so simple to acquire all of this other stuff. That's why we we make this consideration, right? Is it's just so quick and easy and clean. So soul is blue green, and I would describe Isarl as green blue, like right. big green, little blue. Right. You're gonna get so blue like, later to fulfill the objectives if they come up. That's right. sort of that's sort of the difference here. Is Isarl gets to make the choice. Soul's just gonna get all of those objectives automatically. Isarl is getting a lot of power. And then only has to diverge a little bit to fulfill those last objectives. But you're like, going think about to, to do a lot more along the way. If, if you feel like we're not making a strong case here, think about the synergy between having hyper early and getting extra command counters, being able to uh, use your stall tactics with the, the action cards that you're getting, Neural giving you extra action cards, uh-huh. and then also being able to use Majin as a stall, but also to take more action right. cards from other players. You will... So you, and then also factor in transplayer, bleh, chan, transparasteel plating into that, the idea that you're going to be able to stall out your opponents in that last round, it's completely assured. And, and honestly, you if, have you, if you're necessary. rushing for it, it's not even that last round. Like, you're just going to dominate the second half of every single round, mm-hmm. right? From, like, round three or four onward, it's Ysarl's game after, you know, three or four turns. Like, everyone's right. just, okay, I pass, I pass, I pass, and Ysarl, go ahead and do four actions or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and... and I, I do want to kind of point out this probably contradicts some stuff we talked about in the Isarl episode. I feel like we didn't play up how good we, we even probably disagreed a little bit with like at the time people were trying to tell us Mageon and Transparasteel are really good. And we were like, well, I think they're, you know, they're both decent. But I think it's because it is that scenario you just described, Hunter. It's not that they are independently awesome. It's that mm-hmm. if you sprint down green and you get all of it, you set yourself up to have this kind of pretty awesome superpower of right. stalling right. out and doing a lot. And that's where the power of Isarl's optimal tech path comes from. And, and then all you have to do if you get in trouble with uh, is just throw in a little bit of blue. Right. Which is going to help you anyway. Like, yeah. Sorrow loves gravity drive. We can't wait to get gravity drive. We can't even wait to get fleet logistics, honestly. Right. But, you know, that's that's like the late game consideration sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything weird we want to throw out with Sorrow as like just kind of a strange idea? It's what hard. About- it's hard with Sorrow because it's like it's so obviously you go for green, right? Right. I mean, right. Can we make an argument for yellow? Honestly, the first argument I would make is ignore green and sprint down blue, right? Yeah. Get fleet logistics, get light wave deflector, have gravity drive. Like all of those things lead to a very, very movement focus. This is the Mm -hmm. type of Asarl I could see. So the the green tech Asarl is the like, I'm going to hold back a lot and I'm going to have all these action cards and I'm going to do a lot with them and I'm going to take all these crazy secret actions. The blue tech Asarl is more like the, I'm going to build fleets and I'm going to put them everywhere you don't want me to go i'm not going to have quite as many action cards but i'm still going to have a lot because i'm a sorrel and i'm not going to have like quite as much ability to stall but i'm going to replace that with i'm going to have way more powerful fleets because they're going to get they're going to get where you don't want them to go 
Yeah. I the only thing that I feel like holds me back from making like a green yellow versus a green blue uh-huh. argument for Isarl is that so many of the action cards kind of depend on you having a fleet to make use right. of them. There's not enough that are like all right, well, I like if you went like a tra- like infantry two and then like transit diodes kind of deal yeah. with Isarl. I feel like there's not enough action. There's like parlay, right? And then what else is that's there about that it. kind of like stump? There's like fire team. No, that's for if you're invading. Yeah, there's so, a there's experimental battle stations. There's there's like a few yeah. defensive action cards, but for the most part, this is the problem. I would describe Isarl as an aggressive race. So that's yeah. why we don't go yellow. That's why we don't go yellow red, right? We're not we're not building PDS. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think Asarl ever puts down a PDS unless they have to for like secret right. objectives. So right. like I I'm I'm looking at the red tech right now and I do not I cannot come up with a reason to ever get red tech as Asarl. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not really building dreadnoughts, so you don't need duranium. Majin is useless. Plasma scoring, you're not Again, you're not really getting that many things with bombardment or space cannon. It's just like it. There's no logic to go in red tech for right. for a sorrow. And so because of that, because the best red combo is yellow red for PDS two and then also cruiser two. Right. Like if we can't make that consideration, red very quickly drops down. I mean, this is the reason red tech is sort of like the worst change. You're you're gonna very often see us not make a case for red tech almost no factions include red tech in their optimal tech path because red is not optimal because majin is bad and because destroyer 2 is not very good like it's it's not it's just not useful to go down that path and so to play optimally you always go down other paths right um, I th- I think that's kind of it for Isaro. I think so too. I, I I really like um that we covered that we got both these two out of the way though, Saul and Isaro mm-hmm. at the beginning, um because I just feel like they have the they're just the prettiest. Right. When you look at your tech, it just always looks so pretty. Right. What you have in front again, of again, it's the no dead tech situation. It's just like you yeah. always feel like everything you bought as Isaro and Soul is like, yep, that that helps and that helps and and it helps every single round. It's right. Hunter's Law, right? All of the yeah. not not that oh, each yeah. tech individually is Hunter's Law, but like the fact that you're not wasting any time and you're using all of it pretty much constantly, that is that is Hunter's Law. For those who yeah. it's been a long time since we really talked about Hunter's Law, but Hunter's Law is like the more you use it and the more automatic it is to use, the better it is, right? Is, it, is that a good way to define it? It's sort of the neural it? thing that we're talking right. about, actually. It's it's just like, the, the yeah, the more you get to use something automatically, the more it contributes to your game, uh, the more important it is as uh, an advantage. Right. Um, yeah, I I think uh, in thinking about the Isarl first-round strategy guide that was so long ago now, yeah. um, the thing I think that has changed mostly is that I've just seen a lot of Isarl get uh Magion Majin Magion yeah Magion implants and just go to town and right. also just getting hyper early with them is so fantastic yep. having more command counters than everybody and also stall tactics on top of that i mean right. you just get like you just get to a point where you stall people out almost more effectively i feel like than they did in TI3 which right. is kind of crazy yeah so let's let's talk about another one. Let's talk about Yin because we've we've been talking about them so much this episode. I, I feel like it's worth sort of like exploring them a little bit more. Right. Um, right. In my in, in in our guide for Yin, uh, we sort of made the case for green, yellow, mostly green. Right. Like it was like okay, right. we're gonna we're gonna make these infantry awesome, 
and we're sort of doing yellow just because uh because right i mean there you, because we start with sarween that's really what it comes down to right yeah yin yeah. is the argument of our optimal tech path is chosen because of our starting tech right. and we we don't want to like dip into red because it's out of the way people people will make the case for red tech because oh well they're destroyers if you make your destroyers better that's pretty useful right and and like i don't know I guess Majin is useful for Yin. Not really. It's never useful. But th- there is, there has been an argument for red tech, but I think we outlined the argument for green-yellow, and um, I-, I think it is significantly more efficient purely because of how good those first few green tech are, right? Mm-hmm. Getting Neural and then getting Daxiv and then getting Infantry 2 always feels good with any faction, and with Yin, right. it's like doubly right. so. And if you have a yellow skip, getting, I mean, like we Skipping saw. Skipping the transit diodes is amazing, exactly. Right, yeah. it is it is amazing. And in fact, depending on who you're going up against, getting transit diodes before even bothering right. with the upgraded uh, infantry uh, might be worth it. Yeah, and, like, and, and, and then another thing on top of that is I made the case for upgrading your space dock because I want you to sprint for Mechatol, and an upgraded space dock on Mechatol is like super super helpful so green yellow gets you upgraded infantry upgraded space docks really good transit diodes uh ground forces that are also upgraded and fighting you know super well like there's just a lot Mm -hmm. of synergy there that works with uh yin's innate abilities right just the fact that they're already dominating the ground combat game and you're like making those ground forces have access to more spaces and fight better like obviously that's that's helping the the we are now this is probably the first faction that we've talked about though where we can talk about the there is a little bit of lack of symmetry right because their faction tech, core yeah yeah impulse core is a great well it's not a great tech but it's de- well i mean no, I it's hate better it. <laughs> than it's 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 better than graviton and but it would be a good skip for Graviton, yeah. but it is not that. It is a right. transit diodes skip, and, and that's, that's not helpful. No, and no. the same the same problem with Yin Spinner. Honestly, Yin Spinner is not that great of a tech, and it is a replacement for hyper metabolism, which and I would rather have hyper exactly yeah, for sure. So, for sure. so our problem with Yin is, yeah, we're we're getting some decent synergy, but if we want to get two faction technology for the secret objective, well, we're getting some stupid stuff. Right, but we do we do at least qualify going green. Right, yellow, we're going obviously. in that direction, and it helps mm-hmm. a lot to be going right. in that direction. Right. What a like? Do you feel like giving getting graviton is a dead enough tech for Yin that they shouldn't even bother, basically, or that like if if that's in your way, would you not go for transit right away if you had um, to get graviton? Yeah, no, my arg- yeah, my argument is if you don't have the yellow skip, you do all the green stuff first, and then you get graviton if you need to fulfill two in two. But if, right. if, if I mean, by the time you do all that other stuff, like by the time you get to infantry two, you will know if two and two colors is even going to be a thing, and then you decide whether or not you get graviton. And if it never right. came out, then all right, we're just going to get other stuff, right? Now is when right. we start getting, I don't know, anti-mass or gra- like whatever helps us do other things. Or maybe we just stop buying tech and we start getting way more fleets or whatever. Like, that, you know, it's you you have enough time to decide whether or not you're getting two and two color. Um, and I want to make it clear if we say if if we're talking about a faction and we're saying that they should go for infantry two early, it's because we're we're assuming that they're going to go for mechatol. Yeah, you, you don't you don't rush infantry two just to like 
just willy nilly. Just uh, you know Except what I mean. For like may- maybe in very- Souls, I mean Soul, I think should go for Mechatol, but like Soul can kind of do whatever they want. With yeah, Soul can Soul can go Infantry too, regardless, just because it's such a good upgrade for. Really, I mean, yeah, definitely for them. I mean, right. infantry hitting on six is completely insane. But regardless, the the point we mean is that like when we say upgrade to infantry true, it's not like with with dreadnought two and fighter two and like all of the fleet stuff. Yeah. You you do all kinds of stuff with that. Infantry right. two is more like locking down your slice, but also taking something that's going to get you a lot of points. Right, and that's almost always mechatol. Right. Um, but it could also mean, you know, various control objectives too. There's different yeah. ways you can work it. We just I, I want you to know that that it's a kind of a more specific type of thing. Right. So what's the weird stuff we do with Yin? Um, I think you could throw a plasma scoring in there and get right. cruiser two. Yeah. Yeah. Cruiser two is great. I'm super into that. It also gives you access to PDS two. So if you really want to, you can like it it, it lets you be a little bit more crazy. Mm-hmm. Like with Cruiser 2s, you're just like throwing. I, I tried this one game. It never worked really for me. This is why I ended up leaning into the infantry thing. But there is an argument for like if you can sneak those Cruiser 2 ground forces into some weird places and then the the key is building up a PDS network. Like you're already kind of in the red-yellow area, right? So if we're, if we're doing that, we're putting PDS in our home slice so that we can defend that while we do crazy stuff with our Cruisers. Yeah, I, I think that is a fun play. I think it works less often than just the straight up infantry two play, but I, I think there is room for that to to work. Yeah, and it technically like pushes you in the direction of if you really do want to get destroyer two, if you have a Nalu or Clan Asar problem, like yeah, why not upgrade those destroyers? This is like the mm-hmm. one game you might decide to do that. I honestly feel like though my my favorite opening from now on when I play Yin would be to get a yellow skip and yep. go for transit dias yeah. first. I mean it was just it was just so cool. Right. It was so cool. Because you can I think with Yin you definitely can upgrade the ground forces later. Yeah. I I yeah. want to upgrade the ground forces, but if I can get transit diodes, I can like make do for a while because right. I'm just going to put them in all the best places. The only reason I would maybe say that you have to go infantry two first is if you're making a mechatol play and soul is in the game. Right. Um, because you're not going to beat them there. And no. like, that's the thing about any faction that starts with a single blue tech has an opportunity to just get somewhere faster than everybody else. That's right. just always going to be true. Yep. Um, so soul is going to get there faster. Yep. It's just, just period. Yep. They're already uh, on the way. Um, right. Uh, and then, so it just becomes a, like, you got to grab warfare or you got to do something else. So yeah. All right. Let's uh let's let's talk about one more faction, and then let's kind of like uh, peek behind the curtain of we're we're gonna we want to talk about this again next week because we really want to break down like every single faction. We just don't have time to do all of them because from here in on one out episode, no. in one episode because from here on out the discussions get much more complicated. Right. Right. Soul right. and Asarl were all these are all pretty easy to just like yeah this is good and you should do it. Um. Um, we're going to use Mentac as sort of a teaser to like how things get more complicated and uh, and a little bit more of the strategy of like now you need to like really be thinking about optimal tech paths because it's not an easy thing to do. Right. So um, we want to talk about Mentac because we've already been talking about Mentac, but also Mentac is a good example of the the problem you're going to kind of run into because Mentac wants to do a couple things at once. Um we want cruiser two and we want mirror computing, right? Those are the right. big things. That's right. th- those two things together are what are going to make us a pretty awesome superpower. Yeah. But that means we need one green 
plus cruiser two, then we need three more yellow. And technically, yeah. we also would like to get PDS two if we can manage it. So that's a lot of tech. Uh, and it doesn't all necessarily synergize with each other. It kind of does in, in that same way we just described with like the yin getting to do crazy stuff. This is like, this is my favorite play with Mentak is your cruisers are just out all over the place. And then your home slice is purely defended by PDS. Um, right. so, so there is some synergy, but it always feels like with Mentak, you have to decide which you want to go for first. This is why I like having a green tech skip as an opener because then you just get cruiser two out of the way and you're done because that's where I think this slows down the most is like, we want mirror computing and we want it very, very badly. Right. I mean, there's, there's just no argument to not getting mirror computing. It is probably, it is, it is in the top five tech in the entire game. For sure. Um, For sure. And so they're kind of like an uglier version of the Isarl tech path where their racial tech is all in one color and they're very encouraged to go down that path. But it just it feels a little bit more wobbly, right? Because it's the, not a meta advantage. Yeah, it is and, just kind of a like here's here's some money, right? And the big difference here is you don't have a skip for graviton. So like yeah. one of the reasons we decide to go with PDS for Mentac is because we kind of just have to get graviton on the way, and so we might as well increase our, the ability of our PDS because the other option is to get graviton, not build PDS, and we have a dead tech. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're the only reason we're getting PDS is a I mean, we start with yellow red, so we can also just get PDS to whenever we want. And we're probably getting Graviton. So it, it just makes sense to play a little bit of a PDS focused uh, game as mere as a Mentac. This is one right. of those weird situations of the the tech path changes what how we think of this faction in ti3 i would have never thought of mentac as a pds focused faction there's just mm-hmm. like what do you talk that doesn't make any sense but in ti4 because of their starting tech and because of their faction tech leading you through other pds focused tech you just like you up you you make better pds and and that's sort of this weird caveat that we we add to them uh, the other problem, of course, is we we like Neural, but we really, really like Cruiser 2. And I don't know. Th- th- it just comes down to, like, everything we get with Mentac is pretty good. It's just a matter of deciding what we get first, right? Yeah. And it usually feels better to rush for mirror computing, but I think there are arguments to not do that. There are plenty of games where round one we get Neural, round two we get Cruiser 2, Round three, we get PDS two. Like, okay, now we're finally going for mirror computing. That doesn't feel great, but like, it does make sense in terms of making them work well. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, it does. I I want to make an argument though that I I think I see a lot of Mentech players going for mirror too early. Yeah, because mirror is really game winning in phase two when you've got the like. 16 resources yep. objective. Yep. It doesn't like, actually like help that. you that. I mean, it, it does help you because you can, you, it makes your fleets cheaper. Like you can buy a cruiser for one trade good. That, that is sure. But you already do cheap fleets. Exactly. You, know what I mean? you like, already do cheap fleets already... and, and you're banking a bunch of trade goods anyway. So I agree yeah. with that. Like mirror computing is really almost similar to quantum data hub node. It is not at all the same, like ride or die. This only works in round in the last round of the game. But mirror computing is mostly useful as just a like, this is going to help me win the game. Yeah. I'm going to throw some spaghetti at the wall right now. Okay. Um, 
I think the main reason that Mentec wants Cruiser 2 uh, is obviously, uh, it's not necessarily about three movement. I mean, that's, no, that's, that's useful, cool, but, it's, but it's it's about the capacity, right? It's about having well, that, being able to take a planet with a dude, right? Right. It is that, and, and the other consideration is the pre-fire. Yeah. I mean, we're only increasing it by one, but like having two pre-fire shots on a six, that is... Pretty oh good. no, it's it's super good. It's super and good. and compiling uh, that with the PDA, if we get our deep space cannon, like compiling that with, there are plenty of shots. You know, in the game I had the other day, I had PDS sort of on my perimeter, which meant every time I was stretching out a little bit, you know, it's like a slow wave. I was firing two shots on a six, and then like three shots on a five before combat. That's right. like where the power of Mentac really comes from. I'm just wondering if there's a place for transit diodes in the Mentac, like kind of overall strategy. You're saying imagine, in this Cruiser Two world, in this like no, I'm I'm saying instead of Cruiser Two, oh, okay, a transit diodes play. This is spaghetti, by the way. Sure, 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 I'm, sure. I'm just throwing this at the wall. So let's say we've got because the thing that I don't like about the Mentac opening that we've always talked about is it seems to be very dependent on a green skip. Right. Or a dependent. yellow skip, to be honest. Like, skipping... Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you get a yellow skip, if you could skip to transit diodes and then uh, ferry your ground forces around via a carrier mm -hmm. and just not really build any more ground forces, but kind of just like use that one carrier to like move forward yeah um i wonder if there is anything to that because if you're going pds and you kind of you don't have more ground forces than everybody else but they're just all concentrated right and so that's kind of how you fill out your slice into the pds kind of cover i wonder i don't know i just wonder if there's anything to that yeah i, uh, I think there's something to that here's my here's my argument against it and again it just comes down to the optimal nature of what we're talking about today uh salvage operations is technically the replacement for transit diodes yeah and, and you don't that, want to skip that and it falls in line with the the kind of young and spry mentac that we're describing this mentac that right. gets all over the place with cruiser twos uses salvage salvage operations more often you kill stuff you rebuild a ship that you destroyed you're gaining trade goods that falls in line with getting mirror computing like this scrappy move all over the place mentac seems to have more uh, you know, I guess symmetry is the word you keep using. I think of it as synergy. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it feels more in line with Mentac is doing than this sort of, like, let me pop my ground forces around. Uh, I think that's the slower play. I think there's I room think for I, it, but right. it, is, it, is, it is a little bit, it takes a little bit more planning, I guess, whereas the other Mentac gets to kind of just like, ah, let me just, let me just jump on whoever has a weak fleet at whatever moment I can because I'm going to get a I lot out of it. I just think the weak point in the uh, in Mentac to me seems to be um, holding planets early because sure. until you get the PDS down, they're always kind of open because Cruiser Two can only bring one, so that yeah. means like most planets that you're taking, you're bringing like a guy, maybe two guys. Here's so, where, yeah, here's where I think your plan works a little bit better. Is uh, the reason I want to get all over the place as Mentac is I want to be neighbors with everybody, right? I want to. Right. The other right. thing I'm trying to do is get across the board because I just need to be able to steal from everyone. If you are in a game where trade has just completely locked down and like, okay, it's like everyone only has two commodities and everyone's like, you know what? Screw Mentac. We're just not. We're just not this game. We're not trading mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we we don't want to deal with it. And that has happened. 
that's when I think your plan works a little bit better because now there's less incentive for Mentac to be scrappy because they're just not going to gain as much out of it. Right. So it makes sense to kind of do this slow crawl. All right, if you're not going to let me steal from you, I'm going to steal your planets. I'm going to I'm going to build up these bigger forces that let me just take stuff from you. You know, I think really what I the reason I even brought that up in general because like once I started talking it out, I was like, I don't know if I'm making this point correctly. I think really the only thing I want to throw out there is I don't know how much I like salvage operations over transit because really? I oftentimes see cruisers Mentec cruisers kind of sneak off to like a planet and drop a dude there. And if they had transit, I always think about like, well, if if you hadn't gone for salvage, now you you could have like reinforced that one random planet and that right. hard to reach place with your cruiser too. Yeah. I just feel like that's a valid like way of looking at it that I almost never see. I always see people right. get salvage. And salvage is not bad. I'm I'm not trying to say it sucks. I'm no. just saying transit's also very good and it's hard for me to do the calculation for which one is better. I, I mean you want to trade good, like right? You, yeah, like I think cool. I think this is sort of what I was trying to define in the beginning. That was hard to do, and it's it's that the problem with Mentac is hard to define, like why it feels messy. Because it, it Mentac is one of these first factions we have where it's like it actually feels like maybe we have other options on the table. I just don't quite know how to really get there. You know, when we talked about Soul and Yasaro, we said like. You do that. Like the the, the other mm-hmm. options are far inferior. Mm-hmm. With Mentac, it doesn't feel like the other options are that inferior, and so you start to wonder if what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, I think that is what we're gonna talk a lot more about next week. Is because from here on out, every other faction does not necessarily have like a perfect path. Right. 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 Um, so I think what Hunter and I want to do now is sidebar. Uh sidebar the rest of these factions. We still need to talk about Sar, Nalu, Lizix, Barony, Aletnev, Ghosts, Embers, Extra, Arborek, Winu, Sardak. There's a lot, right? That's yeah. so many factions we still need to talk about. And there's just too much to say about all of them from here on out. So are we gonna do this next week? I think so. I, I think I think so. Uh, I would like to hear from. I mean, if you guys hated this episode, like, <laughs> yeah, may- maybe we'll maybe we'll think about it. I think um, everyone's going to have a lot of input, and I think because the factions we're about to get into are a lot messier, I think we can pre-errata this one a little bit. So I want to oh, put I the agree. call out to people saying, "Tell us about a your favorite optimal tech paths with all the factions we haven't talked about yet, and b tell us about the weird tech paths that are maybe not optimal, but." are things that we should think about how to how to how do we do that with this faction yeah yeah, um, yeah. and, and, and if think, we if we missed anything today that sure. you feel like we needed to talk about i mean obviously that's the whole pitch of the show yep let us know let us know so let's let's call it there and let's talk about all these other factions a lot more next week for sure cool um so we don't have errata we're not going to jump over to the right well no we did have errata we already did it right off the top yeah, we did it at the top so uh, but it's rundown time yeah. i think let's uh I'll, I'll do the rundown real quick how yeah, about right. uh, you go to space cats pod for on twitter uh for some game updates announcements things like that uh facebook for more announcements you can also message us questions on facebook rules questions show questions whatever uh on reddit slash r slash twilight imperium you find discussions for each post uh just like what we're describing now please come and discuss with us on reddit so we can talk about what we want to explore next week uh we also have a bgg guild where we do a little bit more discussion and 
an outdated calendar that I keep saying is outdated and then don't fix, hooray! You can email us at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. This is where we get This Imperium Life and Play of the Week submissions. We want you to send us some of your favorite plays, uh, things that happened, things like the... uh, Transit diodes, yin that we described, all sorts of stuff. We, we want to hear about the cool plays that you did, and we want to uh, share them with others. We also have a Patreon. Uh, our Patreon is getting retooled here soon, but your, the Patreon helps us improve the show. We can get better equipment with it. We can go to conventions and do tournaments, and it helps us uh, just kind of improve the width of people we can, you know, hit with our podcast uh also right. and we're trying to hit people with we're it, trying to you know hit I mean? you over we're the head to, with our podcast we're trying to smack you upside the head <laughs> with all this turtle cat stuff join our discord uh it is all we, we have a link to that in the reddit posts uh we do lots of just fun conversations there's always people talking in our discord there's you know europeans and and americans alike so there's people all around the world talking at all hours of the day there's always time for conversation on our discord and that's also where you get some of our patreon benefits like discuss dis- discussing things in the Galactic Council and talking to our people who are in the Good Yin Brotherhood. Uh, please rate our podcast on iTunes and any other podcast app you have. It increases the visibility of our show and of Twilight Imperium. Hunter Donaldson. Hey, what up? I'm a, I'm a comedian, stand-up comedian based out of Portland, Oregon. I got a couple shows I want to th- throw at you. Uh, I've been doing these backyard comedy shows called Comedy Party, House Show Comedy. Uh, ever heard of them? Uh, we were in the paper, uh, the Oregonian. <laughs> we were cool. in the newspaper. We were in the newspaper <laughs> that we're getting on that dope new media train. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, the end of the season for that show. Uh, summer's almost over, so backyard shows are basically going to be done. Um, so for our final show, um, it will be on August 25th. Uh, again, the show is called Comedy Party House Show Comedy. I came up with it, and I'm so proud. Um, we are actually moving locations. It's not going to be at the same house. It's still a house show, so it's still going to be weird. Um, but we're not going to do the same place. Uh, we found a bigger yard uh, that can fit more people in it because we were kind of uh, we were Max kind of capacity. getting to capacity. Yeah, because uh, it's a very popular show, and I will say we have a very special um, secret. Uh, headliner that I cannot advertise for um, uh, contract reasons. I could get that person in trouble. <laughs> um, so yeah, please come to see the mystery person. It, I guarantee you, if you have not heard of them, uh, they will liter- they will become probably one of your favorite comedians of all time. Uh, the new location is sixty four twenty six Northeast Hasalo Hasalo. It's H A H A S S A L O. Um, and yeah, bigger yard, different place. Uh, it's still going to have, you know, there's, it's still going to be the same level of production that you could, that you have, have seen if you've been to any of the past shows, uh, which I know there's been a handful of space cats that have shown up for them. Um, and that show starts at 8 30 PM. Again, it's on August 25th. Very excited to be, um, closing out the season for that show. It's my favorite show that I do. Um, I got a couple other shows I'm going to throw at you real quick. Um, on September 4th, uh, I'm going to be, me and my sketch group, The Love Boys, are going to be doing another show at Kelly's Olympian. That starts at 8.30. Um, and then Yokes and Jokes, which is a brunch comedy show that I do with my comedy partner, uh, Jake Silberman. Uh, that will be on September 8th at The Lamp. That starts at 11.30 a.m. Uh, because it is a brunch show. Um, so, yeah. That's me. I want to thank some patrons. I want to thank our Space Kitties, uh, the cartographer of chaos in Mac We Trust. 
I want to thank the commander. I want to thank Jimbov, which in the past we've always said Jimbo V, but we met him at Gen Con and learned the truth. It's Jimbov. Yeah. Uh, and we want to thank Jada Paik. I also want to thank some other contributors, Rear Admiral Chinaru. Chinaru? Chinaru? I do that wrong every time. I think we've been corrected, and Mah- I don't even remember Doesn't matter. Mahat Maniac, Jesper Person, and Mr. Thom, also known as the Arch Thom of Meme Town. Hunter. Play of the Week time, yeah. Give me that Play of the Week. So this Play of the Week is from Alex. Um, not the Alex that, that we Not that frequent we contributor Alex, no. Not frequent contributor Alex, another Alex. Here we go. <clears throat> We're in round six, and it's obvious that the Clanasar and Extra are in a position to win. Both are on eight points. Clanasar holds Mechatol and still has a, sing- a single point objective they can score, plus a secret objective. Extra is similar. I, as Hakan, need three points this round, scoring ahead of both of them, or the game is lost. I don't have any secret objectives. My fleet is just four cruisers and a carrier spread out across the board. Wow, that's tough. Even though... I can spend 10 trade goods this turn on a two-point objective. The table is not worried about me. I'm second in strategy picks, and I take Imperial to block Sar from the Mechatol point. Everybody else is happy with this. A very generous move. Oh, how nice. How benevolent of you. Yeah. <laughs> so the first turn, Clanasar and Extra are both maneuvering to score objectives. Extra has been talking about blockading me, so I activate my home system and pump out a fleet. It's a defensive move. No threat from Hakan. The second turn, Clanasar gets in position to score a single point objective. Extra continues his maneuvers, and I'm worried he has plans for Mechatol. My gambit can't wait any longer. It's time to stop playing uh, the pussycat and don the lion's mane. That's, I'm going to say that now the next time I play Hikon. <laughs> um, I exhaust transit diodes and move four of my spread out unthreatening infantry to the system my carrier is in. My harmless, disparate Cruiser 2s all, ma- all find paths to Mechatol Rex. The open hand of trade is now the bald fist of war. I use gravity drive on my carrier and bring the four infantry along as well. Clanasar retreats. He still thinks he can win and wants to preserve his strength. My forces take the planet with a single loss. Nobody has a fleet big, close enough or big enough to take my home system, but everybody begins plotting together to take Mechatol from me. They get one turn each to stop me, or I activate Imperial and win. I love moments like this. It's yeah. so always the best. <laughs> Clanasar goes first. He doesn't have a fleet to attack me, but activates Mechatol so that Extra can use space cannons against my fleet here. I lose a cruiser. Now, that's actually against the rules. So. Yeah, we, sh- we should note that. Uh, unfortunately, that's actually not how you can only fire space cannon at the person who activated the system unless like you are the defender in that situation. But it's fine. We'll ignore that for now. But... Uh, it still is worth noting that Clanisar did try to do something. Yeah, that, that, I, it helps makes the story better. So we, yeah, we wanted actually to leave does, it in there. It does help make the story better because he does lose a cruiser. So here we go. Mentak goes second. He moves in a fleet and destroys more ships. Just one cruiser left now. Barony goes third. He brings a huge fleet and easily wipes out my cruiser. He bombards with dreadnoughts and I lose two infantry. One left. He commits his ground forces. I parlay. Only Extra is left, and he only has a carrier in reach of Mechatol. He loads it up with two fighters and two infantry. The Barony retreats from Mechatol, but Extra still needs to avoid his parting shots. Barony's dreadnoughts roll two hits and take out the two fighters. It's just the carrier left. Barony rolls for his cruisers. One hit. Extra's carrier, and with its infantry, are destroyed. I activate Imperial, score three points, and win the game. 
crazy. I love, I love yeah. that dog pile stuff. Yeah. It's always yeah. so funny and it's, so great. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's so funny how the dog pile can either be the worst part of TI or the best part of TI, right? Right. Because sometimes the dog pile is like two full rounds and it's just like, oh uh-huh. my God. Like, actually, here's what it is when the dog pile works, it is just like extending the game forever. But uh-huh. when, it do- when everyone dogpiles and you make it out alive, then it's like, okay, this was a really, really cool game because I survived the dogpile. But yeah. when you don't survive the dogpile, it definitely feels like it's just like, oh, great. So I just got to get crushed and nobody cares and then somebody else gets the win. Boo-hoo. I... I just always think uh, that it's funny, like in fiction, thinking about what's happening when somebody's (laughs) trying to retreat and they accidentally kill. Like it's like (laughs) it's like there's like an order from the top, like okay, um, don't don't destroy Extra's fleet, and the Barony Dreadnoughts were like, uh, okay, right, we're supposed to, yeah, yeah, right, we'll do it, and then they're just like fire, yeah, yeah, (laughs) they don't care, like they're just like, no, what we do is just hot on the trigger. Yeah, it's just funny that you actually can't like it. Would it would be interesting if there was uh, a way to not actually fight someone, uh-huh. like actually just retreat and run. Right. Interesting. Or like, yeah, just get out of their way. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I love it. Cool game. Great. I, I, great I'm really game. coming around yeah. on this Twilight Imperium. Yeah, game. not bad. Good. Not bad. Not a bad showing. I think it's about time we do a review. Oh boy. You know, a Let's review do a, of we Twilight do a Imperium. Review. All yeah, right. We should rate it out of ten. <laughs> We should rate this game that we've spent a year. God knows about. how many hours playing. Yeah, we should rate it out of ten. All right. Well, coming someday in the future, Space Cats Peace Turtles official review of Twilight. Official and review, Imperium. and and who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll <laughs> maybe turn we on don't it. like it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking eight out of ten. Weirdly enough. Yeah. 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 It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty good. All right. It's well, fine. We're going to get out of here, and next week, let's get even more discussion about uh, some some tech, and we want your input. Give us all your input on Optimal Tech, and, and let's have a let's have a just such an in-depth discussion next week. What do you say? I, I'm thinking 7.5. Like, it's not oh, going to be yeah? best. It, we're not going to give it the coveted best new board game, <laughs> like, thing. Yeah. But we, it's just we're not new anymore. It. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be hilarious if we just one episode get, reviewed Twilight Imperium, Gave it a middling review, uh-huh. and then the next episode we just talked about a different game. Right, like a com- like we were like, well, now that we're done with our Twilight Imperium coverage, right. now we're gonna talk about Stratego. Yeah. And the SCPT de Yares goes to. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at BenPruntyMusic.com and BenPrunty.Bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.